Tonight, the information superhighway, an online network called Internet. Everyone can have a teacher in the form of access to the gathered knowledge of the human species. Through the libraries that are connected to the computer That's right. in my, on my desk in my home. Right. I can sit there and call up, uh, well, what if I want to learn only about baseball? Well, that's all right. The Internet Show is made possible by support of the Compact Computer Corporation through the Compact Foundation. They were going to broadcast a, a baseball game. You could listen to a baseball game on your computer. And I just thought to myself, does radio ring a bell? <laughs> Broadcasting from Brisbane, Australia, this is The FOMO Show. I'm Matt. And I'm Joe. And we haven't done an episode in like two months. It's been way too long. Yeah, so last episode we did a really cool feature on where the internet is going next. Um, And now we're here, we're next, like we're in the future. (laughs) Um, Welcome. uh, And, you know, it's been a long time and, you know, we're probably quite out with some of our predictions but yeah like we, we discussed a super secret project um which we've been working on as our day jobs and mate like well like i've been putting it off for ages yeah and i think you've just gotten fed up with <laughs> me not wanting to bring it out of the shadows so mate, it's probably time we talked about it yeah so you know if you're wondering what that super secret project is you can find out after this uh short break <laughs> we're having, well, we're having a break now. <laughs> oh my. And we're back again after another two months. <laughs> <laughs> a good one. Imagine um, if we just cut the episode there, <laughs> released it. That is that is real. Keep treating me and keep them keen. <laughs> Wasn't there, um, oh, was it Eamon De Valera who, um, when, he, uh, when he got arrested, he was like in the middle of a speech in the Irish... You know, like he was in the middle of some speech, and then, um, and then he ca- he got like released by the by the British, yeah. and like walks back into the Irish Parliament, um, and like this is after like two or three years, yeah. hops back up on the stage, and he's like, "Now, um, as I was saying," and like just <laughs> launched straight back into his. How speech. good! Oh my! <laughs> they didn't teach us that in in, the, in our schools in England. What did you learn about the like Irish re- rebellion in England? Uh, I don't think they taught us anything to do with that. They taught us very little at school, to be honest. Um, but uh, something, something, we won World War Two. Uh, that was <laughs> that was that was literally about as good as it got, to be fair. Um, have you watched Michael Collins, like the the movie? We have a weapon more powerful than any in the whole arsenal of their British Empire, and that weapon is our refusal. Our refusal to bow to any order but our own. No, I haven't seen Michael Collins. Oh, mate. Oh, you got to watch it. It is brilliant. Yeah, probably one of Liam Neeson's best movies, if not his best. Mm. Like, incredible performance. And um, and Snape, what's, um, what was his name? Oh, um, yeah, uh, Alan Rickman. Alan Rickman is Eamon de Valera, the guy I was just talking about. So he plays him. Yeah. Um, yeah, lots of like famous people in that movie. Like basically all the Irish that were like um, uh, really popular at the time, um, all like people that, you know, 
could play the characters, they kind of pulled into this movie because it's, you know, like about all about the Irish Rebellion and um, it's so well done, mate. You really got to watch it. Uh, it is just Probably not the good time. movie for like a, a good British boy to be watching. Yeah. But like- <laughs> uh, water under the bridge. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Bit of disclosure, uh, before we get into anything, this podcast isn't investment or any other type of advice. Not that we're really talking about many investment things this episode. No, but like, just don't take our advice anyway, really, to yeah, be honest. Yeah. Like, just that's that. like a blanket morning. Yeah, what he yeah, said. So, yeah. um, But if we do talk about something that you can buy, like Bitcoin, for example, it doesn't mean you should buy it. Although you really should, but it doesn't mean you should. Yeah. Yeah. Done. Tick. <laughs> Nice. Now that we get the legals out, uh, it's time to talk about this super secret project. It's taken way too long. Uh, what is it? Uh, what have you been working on for the last few months? Yeah, well, I've just like really, I've just been digging a, digging a big hole in my backyard, and <laughs> filling it with gold. <laughs> That's it. How good? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, everyone was expecting something more spectacular, but yeah, mate, I'm uh, very it. disappointed. No, seriously, mate. Wait, tell us. What is yeah, it? okay. So um, I've been working on a telecom startup for the last uh, almost a year, actually, called OneCode. What is OneCode? How is it spelt? It's spelt O-N-E-Q-O-D-E. Nice. So OneCode. Yep. Um, not grammatically correct in the Queen's English, but, you know, it's 2020. So, and we're almost a republic anyway. So <laughs> who cares? But nice. yeah, basically like OneCode is, uh, we're, we're one company, but we've got, um, a couple of branches and we're, we're on a mission, like our overriding mission is to build a 21st century digital services enabler, which brings Australia back into the top 10 of internet speeds. And what we're effectively doing is we're solving that last mile problem. So we're basically from where your internet gets hands off, handed off um, at, you know, at like your local area yeah. to your house. There's, there's a big problem here in Australia with that. That's, that's one thing we're solving. Mate, that is such a worthwhile problem to be going after, hey? But um, what caused this whole thing to come about? Yeah, so, okay, so basically um, for, for all, your Aussie li- all our Aussie listeners, they're probably really familiar with um, the current internet landscape in Australia. But for those people who aren't in Australia, um, about 10 years ago, the, uh, the Australian government came out with this bright idea to basically say, okay, we're going to build – internet infrastructure throughout the whole country. It's going to be great. It's going to be fiber everywhere. It's going to future-proof us for the next 50 years. Uh, it's going to mm. be absolutely amazing. We're going to spend $60 billion on it and um, and it'll be the best thing ever and everyone's going to be happy. Hey, give us a spoiler. What happened? <laughs> well, <laughs> spoiler alert, that didn't happen. <laughs> nice. Um, this thing became like a political football and it was around the same time, if anyone was watching the news at the time, that we went through like – oh, geez, like five prime ministers in like the space of three years or something crazy. So like um, mm. around the time the NBN was being worked on, it was this massive deal, big project. It got kicked around uh, in the same way that our prime ministers got kicked around, the leaders of our country. <laughs> so, uh, and every time it it did, it got watered down and watered down and watered down until we ended up with this like Frankenstein um, of of a of a of a project which was kind of nowhere near what was originally promised, and mm. one of the big issues was like we we did have a national telecommunications company about fifteen years before that called mm. Telstra, yeah. which got split up, like it basically got privatized, um, 
and uh, and you know sold off to. I think there was a lot of um, there's, there was a fair bit of international money that went into it. There was like a lot of private equity firms and all sorts of stuff that that went on. But basically, like they privatized all this infrastructure and started splitting things up. Mm-hmm. Um, but of course, they had all these. There was all these clauses in in the the privatization where they had to kind of fulfill certain obligations. And when this NBN thing came out they were kind of brought in and kind of made to play nice with NBN and kind of help it out. Um, and there was a lot of funny business that went on behind the scenes, which we just won't go into. Yeah. But what what eventually happened is the thing started getting rolled out and instead of building fibre to every home, yeah. which was the original plan, Great idea. they kind of said, well, you know, we've got all this copper in the ground already. Um, it's already connected to people's houses. It's already connected to people's houses. Yeah, it's not great, but like, you know, uh, you know, we, we, we want to save some money here. We've watered this thing down, told people that we could get it done quicker, cheaper, easier. Um, so maybe if we just like kind of ran fibre to uh, what they call a node or a pit in the, on, on the curve of a street and then just kind of hooked it into the fibre network, then that would work. Yeah, um, good. Hooked into the, the, the copper network, sorry, then that would work. Um, Quality Australian story, that. Yeah, yeah. And then, and then what happened is, well, I said, well, like, and they kind of did that for maybe six months and they said, oh, geez, this is, this is a bit tough. Like there's certain areas out here where it's, like people's homes are too far apart, <laughs> and um, yeah. and you know it's going to take us too long to run run fiber to those to anywhere near those houses, and the copper isn't that great. Let's do fixed wireless. Um, and the technology for fixed wireless back then <coughs> wasn't incredible. Um, yeah. and they kind of went with some vendors that. Um, you know, maybe they weren't using the best equipment um, or a lot of the time what they did is they weren't actually allocating enough to the, um, to just kind of service the region. So, um, and that, and that, and so a lot of people that thought they were at least going to get some, maybe some fiber um, ended up on these wireless links that just weren't really cl- like industry class mm-hmm. essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, and, and, and that, that kind of went on over time um, for, 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 for years and years until we kind of, we ended up here in 2020 where the NBN essentially said, I've uh, essentially said, we're finished. We're done. <laughs> like we've hooked everyone up. Job done, you know, Things walk away, pack it up, boys. Just- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and if you, if you open up your browser right now, and we'll put a link in the show notes and you go to the internet, uh, global internet speed test, which is run by speedtest.net, I think, like Ookla, those guys that you, you know, every time you, you're frustrated with your internet and you look up a speed test, you go to that site. Mm-hmm. Um, You'll see Australia's, um, you know, right up there in the top ten, like we were promised. No, no, it's not. Like it's if you if you go all <laughs> nice. the way down uh, on on this is on fixed uh, fixed broadband. If you go all the way down to I think sixty, oh sixty two. I, I haven't actually looked recently, but we're a long way down. Um, um, we are now sixty one, mate. We've 61. gone up. One. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. yeah. So um, who are we behind, Joe? Well, like we're some- just underneath Vietnam, uh, Ukraine, mm. which is having a civil war, is at fifty nine. Jordan, Bulgaria, Trinidad. Czech, Saudi, yeah, hey, even uh, yeah, everyone basically everyone has got better internet than us. Um, yep. Luckily, yeah, we're above Kosovo, which is really good um, mm. because, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, we were you know we were involved yeah. in doing damage to that place, weren't we? So oh, well, we're better than Kyrgyzstan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah. so like job done. Um, you know, like for our massive, you know, generational inf- internet infrastructure project, and we're at sixty-one. How good! Um, so that's kind of if you were to like, if we were to like hold up one problem that we we're wanting to solve, that's the problem. So we've fallen behind, um, and the 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 mission we've set out to to achieve is to 
um, bring Australia back into the top 10 for those internet speeds. That is a super cool mission, bring back into the top 10. You did say we earlier. What's uh, what's this company, OneCode? How big is it? How many people? What's it doing? What's the plan? Yeah. Good, good, good question. Many questions. Um, that's, that's so. So basically, we're we're a small startup at the moment. We got about mm-hmm. uh, ten people um, on our direct team. There's a few people um, kind of sitting in the wings, um, mm-hmm. performing various bits and bobs. But yeah, still a relatively small team. Um, and but yeah, we're a um, we're, we're a local company based here in uh, here in Queensland. Mm-hmm. Um, that's where we're starting, but we're, we're expanding. And our goal is to basically. Um, to basically do this uh, all around Australia and then also take it to other parts of the world. Um, yeah. There's a big, big need in Asia, um, which we want to eventually uh, move into. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, basically, like the it, and look, like it's 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 um it sounds really easy to say, right? Like you know, let's let's bring let's make internet fast. Let's bring Australia back into the top ten for internet speeds, but. Yeah. Uh, there is so much that goes into the internet that you just don't see behind the scenes, um, yeah. and, the, and the problem is problem is quite deep. And so, for us, like to 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 start with to, to start doing it, there's a, a number of different pieces. So the first thing is to build a really good underlying foundation for our network. So mm-hmm. where what what most companies in Australia do at the moment is they run on the NBN. So the NBN is a wholesaler. They've got what they call point of points of interconnect. Um, yeah. And generally, if you want to run on the NBN network, you need a presence in those points of interconnect. And there's about 150 around Australia. So if you're um, an internet service provider that's starting up and you want to sell NBN stuff, you have to plug into one of their 100 and whatever offices or places. Yes, yes, right, cool, yeah, yeah. On. And a lot, a lot of the time you have to plug into a lot of them. Um, and so you've got to find a way to kind of have a presence in a lot of them. Um, and then you've also got to you know run all your own equipment and – Kind of sort out some of the behind the scenes stuff as well, but but it but it is you know it is somewhat easier than trying to start your your, your whole own thing, right? Like you're still running on someone else's network, um, but the structure that the MBN runs on. Uh, so what what they do and what the, one of the big problems is is that you know if you if you want a hundred megabit connection as a customer, you'll you know go on the website, go on to an ISP, say a one hundred megabit connection on the MBN. Mm-hmm. Generally, it's hundred megabit. Uh, download and 20 megabit, megabit upload. And your, your, your ISP will say, oh, okay, great. We'll do that. They'll go to the NBN and then say, we want, you know, we want to order another 100 megabit connection, right? Like, so we can wholesale it on. Yeah. The way that the NBN works, and you can go look this up. Like, this is, that the NBN is governed by a whole bunch of legislation. So, you can go up and go on um, <laughs> on the federal government website. And Sounds when you fun. eventually find the, the actual bit of legislation, which is a bit of a mission, um, you'll be able to see all the pricing there. And basically what the NBN does, they say, well, okay, you know, we'll sell you a hundred megabit connection, mm-hmm. but all we're going to allocate to you for the price you're paying us is, I think it's around about six megabit. I might be wrong. It might be up around eight, but it's like six, six to eight out of the hundred that you actually get allocated on NBN system. What um, does that actually mean for a customer? That means for a cut. That means for a customer that if your ISP is just buying the connection on its face without spending a whole bunch more money, which mm-hmm. is really expensive, buying extra what they call CVC, which is. Yeah. Um, uh, it's like a virtual circuit. It's like capacity on their network. Yeah. Um, all you're getting allocated is, you know, six to eight megabit for that connection. And for like lower connections, it's even lower. It's like for a 50 megabit, you know, you may only a- get allocated five or four megabit on the, on there. So if you and everyone else on your street all come home from a hard day's work, sit on sit, sit down in front of the television and want to watch Netflix on 4K, um, you know, you might just get away with it. But the moment someone else 
like someone wants to do anything else. They say they want to watch something on YouTube or that one of the kids is in their room streaming or um, mm. or someone's playing a game. Um, all of a sudden you hit congestion. Um, and also, sorry, that's not taking into account the fact that behind the scenes, NBN uh, over, generally over-provision their links. Um, so like they'll actually like tell you you're getting you know, five or six megabit, but you may not even be getting that behind mm. the scenes per customer. Mm. Um, so- uh, and we and we saw this really kind of play out with COVID. Like the moment COVID hit, everyone was at home at times they're not normally at home and the whole network just fell over and they had to mm. kind of do this emergency and they painted it as like a big, oh, we're helping we're helping people out. They kind of increased the allocations to, to account for it. Um, even then the network still really struggled and and so that's that's one of the big that's one of the big issues with that system. And it's some it means that the ISPs, like the people who are actually offering services to the customers, um, they they can't even be sure that the customers are going to get what they want, and it's and it's something they don't even really have a lot of control over because it's not their yeah. network. So so in that case, what what does one code do differently? How are you looking to do that on a practical level? I say you. I actually <laughs> like the idea so much that I quit my day job to come and work on this full time. It's brilliant. Tell us more. Yeah, yeah, I will. Yeah, and then, like mate, and like I was just got to say too, I was like so pumped when when you agreed and I kind of held out for as long as I could, but man, um, I'm so excited. Yeah, mate. And you've like, I'll just, I guess I just got to say to everyone, like, just wait till you see some of the stuff that like Joe's been working on in particular, because, um, Things are looking really good. Um, oh boy! And you can go oh to our website right now. It's like our oh, website please, is there, no. oh. and you can go. You can go oh. look. Um, but yeah, so, so like to go back to your question, um, yeah. we have basically said we're not going to use the MBN network. Like we what because our biggest our biggest focus and the thing we really want to nail is the customer experience. Like if our customers aren't getting what they pay for, then we're failing at what we're doing, um, and that's mm. just a non-negotiable. So the only way we can guarantee that our customers are going to get what they pay for and that they're going to be getting something which which is within the top 10 of internet speeds or is capable of within the top 10 internet speeds mm. is if we're doing it ourselves. Like it's our network. We own it from the, the moment we um, – the moment we a customer sends a packet from their computer mm. all the way to the moment that it goes to a data center and hits, you know, someone's network and, you know, gets handed off or even all the way to um, – to over, where it gets handed off overseas. So mm. what we've effectively had to do is we've had to kind of take a step back and go, okay, well, to solve the last mile problem, we need to solve the what they call backhaul problem first. Now, the internet, um, the way it runs is effectively, you know, data goes out from your home mm-hmm. and it's kind of like on a little road, right? Like it just kind of leaves your house, gets on a little road. The road's only got a single lane. It's got like dirt either side. Yeah. You know, if two cars kind of pass, you've got to get off the road a bit. Um, there's not a lot of capacity on that. Um, yeah. And then it kind of joins like maybe like a, a little, you know, like a, a, a proper like two lane road, right? Ooh, Turns off I on a two lane road. I don't mind a dual carriageway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and then like, and then it'll get, it'll go a little bit further along and, you know, they'll add a couple of lanes and more cars will get on it. And then it'll hit like a highway, right? And like yeah, that highway is shooting from like one city to another. There's so much traffic going on it, you know, mm. and then, um, and then, Basically, like it kind of it, either it'll get where it needs to go, and so it might like, um, uh, or it might like move on to another highway that's mm. you know like someone else's highway, for example, or mm. it might be like I got to go overseas, so it'll park at the airport, get on a plane, and you know shoot over somewhere mm. else, and then maybe get on get back in a rental car and go somewhere else. I really want to visualize what you're saying right now. It's so interesting. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So like that's like that's that's. 
like a, a really crude analogy of how internet traffic works as well. It's kind mm. of like a real life traffic um, where you um, you send something from your computer and it starts on like your own little route and then it joins some other bits on maybe like a bit of a wider cable and then it hits the, what they call the backhaul network, right? And the backhaul network is generally these big fiber optic pipes that run, they're almost like highways that run between towns and cities and they all terminate generally in big data centers. And mm-hmm. these data centers have like uh, all this, what they call routing equipment and servers. And so like your internet service provider will have a whole bunch of equipment there. And then what it will do when it hits that is it goes, okay, um, I need to get to, uh, so like, let's say for example, you say I need to get to Amazon, right? Mm. The, the, what, the content I want is on Amazon. So I need you to get me to Amazon. Mm-hmm. So uh, a lot of the time companies, and this is something we're doing, will have like a direct connection there to Amazon servers. Um, mm. And that's kind of as far as it'll go. Like it'll it'll just move in the data center over to another server somewhere else in another room or in the same mm-hmm. room and get the request and then it'll send it back, you know, and then it'll go mm-hmm. back out on the highway. Um, but sometimes it might be like, oh, actually, I need to get over to Hong Kong. Mm-hmm. And so- um, so like basically what happens then is either you'll be, you'll be paying another company to get you over there or you'll be able to get, get you over there yourself. Normally, um, and sorry, the internet service provider will, will be doing that, either paying, um, someone else to do it or they'll have a way to get there themselves. Mm-hmm. Normally you pay someone else to do it. Um, and so what we've had to do is say, well, okay, like if we're serious about this thing and we want to make sure that our users are getting top quality connections. Yeah. We need to um, basically own uh, or own or have control over all the infrastructure that goes from the house all the way to the data center. And then if they want to go international, we need to at least be able to get that um, either where it needs to go or close to where it go where it needs to go on our own, something that we control. Mm. Um, and that's, that's the way that you can guarantee that somebody's internet is as high performance as possible if you get as fast a car driving it along to that highway and being able to manage the whole route? Yeah, basically. And, and you're not ride sharing because like the moment you start ride sharing, um, you're not mm. sure what shortcut someone else is taking. So a lot of these, even these international networks, they'll do what's called over provisioning. And so you may get like, um, uh, I'm tr- and I'm trying to like summarize a really complex topic here as simply as I can, but like um, you'll generally, you'll, you may pay someone to give you, say, a gigabyte or a gigabit of international traffic. But mm-hmm. behind the scenes, they may actually, like, they may know that, well, law of averages, like, you'll probably only ever use about 250 megabit of that at any one time. So we can probably over provision that f- at a ratio of four to one. So we can sell four people one gigabit services yeah. and be pretty sure we're never going to use more than a gigabit at any one time for those four people. So mm. even though you've paid for a gigabit, you're not even you don't even know if you're if that's actually a clear uh, service or if it's over, like what they call over provisioned. Um, now some people do offer clear services, and that's pretty much what we what we always go for um, if mm. we're using someone else's network. So um, so that's like the first part. That's kind of like the backbone of the network, and we've been putting a lot of pieces in place to. Um, make sure that we have control over that backbone of the network uh, to get it back to the data centers and then internationally to get get some data international internationally as well on things that we kind of have control over. Um, and so that's kind of like step one. Yeah. Now, the big, 
that, that, that you can do that. But if your last mile, if the last mile, um, which is kind of like where you go from backhaul to the little smaller roads going to the users, if that's mm-hmm. not great, you might as well pack up and go home. Like it, it just mm-hmm. doesn't it, it, that because most of the time, particularly on networks like the MBN, that's where yep, the disconnect yep, yep, is. Yep, that's where things yep. go wrong. How how is OneCode solving the last mile issue? So I mentioned fixed wireless earlier, which is something that MBN has done a bit of. But um, what does that actually mean, by the way? Yeah, so fixed wireless technology um, is basically like you've got a you'll have what's called like a primary tower, um, mm-hmm. and on those on that primary tower you'll have uh, what they call an access point. And this access point is essentially set up to um, push a signal out um, to a to a number of uh, like radio communications devices mm-hmm. uh, located in different places. And there's all yep. sorts of different access points out there to do all sorts of different things. Um, yep. But what's happened in the last couple of years is that like wireless transmission technology for data, like for what yep. we use for the internet, yep. has like taken quantum leaps like mm. it's come in leaps and bounds and there's now a number of solu- there's now a number of solutions out there that can deliver really high quality high speed um internet uh over over wireless um wow. to solve the last mile and there's a couple of countries that have done this really well um yeah. uh, new zealand is one they, they kind of took yeah. on a similar project to the nbn but they uh the, the tech that they've used has actually worked really well Mm-hmm. Um, and they've used that in a lot of places to solve last mile. Mm-hmm. Um, the US, uh, like the US is funny. Like you've got guys that have been doing wireless for like 20 years. A lot of their equipment's old and it doesn't work yeah. that well. And yeah. then you've got a lot of newer guys in the game and they're getting some really, really good results. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we've kind of taken a leaf out of their book and gone, well, you know, we we are like we, we do have a, um, the ability to, to to roll out our own fiber optic cable where we need to, but that's really expensive, and we're not we're not the NBN, right? We don't have sixty billion dollars worth of government funding. Like that'd be great, and if 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 they want to give us sixty billion dollars worth of funding, we will build an absolutely amazing network. But um, we don't have that, and so we need to be really smart about how we get to users to make sure that the um, we can get the network out there as quickly as possible, but we can also guarantee our users are going to get the speeds they actually deserve. Um, mm. And so we're not wiring up um, many people with physical cables. What we're using is cutting edge, like new fixed wireless technology to get the data to the customers, like to, to, to people wherever they are. All right. So how does that work? If I'm a customer, I go, okay, I want to get 100 meg internet to my house and I click buy. What happens after I click buy? You guys, what, what, do you, what does one code do to my house and how do you? How would you connect me to your network? Yeah, so like for you to click buy, first of all, you need to be in range, um, mm-hmm. and we've got a like we've got a um, a way to kind of give people an indication of whether they're going to be within range or not. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we um, and then what would normally happen is you click buy, and um, and we'd say great, like we'll be in touch. Um, generally, what we allow you to do too is we allow you to pick a time. Okay, so you can you can generally straight away go, oh, you know, this is around about when I'd like for it to be installed. And so once that's done, we get a notification on our end saying, hey, you know, like um, Joe was signed up for internet. Like we need to get someone to go out to to give him internet and we'll, you know, we'll communicate that, um, you know, and we'll arrange a time to come out. Mm-hmm. And then um, what will happen is someone will come out and they'll say, look, we just need to get up on your roof for like yep. 30 minutes. Uh, we'll install what we call um, just a little beacon uh, on yep. top of the roof. It's generally like the size of a plate. Um, yeah. It's not, su- not super big. 
Um, and they'll spend some time up there kind of configuring it, make sure it's really keyed in. It's got a good connection to um, our, either our primary or our secondary towers, um, mm. which are kind of the base stations. Uh, and then, uh, and then uh, they'll, bring, they'll bring a cable down into the wall and you can plug your router right in there and you're pretty much good to go. Um, right. And they'll, they'll, you know, wave goodbye, off they go, and, and now you've got internet. Um, so that connects you to um, to the nearest tower. At like, and, and what sort of speeds do you, do, would would people be able to get? Yeah, so we're starting out pretty conservatively. Like, we're offering um, we're offering uh, at least fifty megabit services in most areas. There's going to be areas that are going to be able to get hundred megabit straight off the mm-hmm. bat. Um, mm-hmm. We're we're planning to offer higher speed connections as well on our normal plans eventually. Yeah. Um, Is that what do you mean by high speed? Like gigabit? Uh, yeah, well, gigabit, and, and there, there will be areas where you will the gigabit will be the default. Like you'll be able to get gigabit yeah, right off the good. bat, depending on um, probably not probably not right away. Um, like mm-hmm. where you know that's that's probably a little bit further down the line. Um, but we've got the technology there, um, and it's it's part of the plan. It really just depends on we're we're we're, we're trying to be very strategic about um, you know what we offer in different areas, and to get gigabit connections. Yep. Uh, generally for us, it, you know, it, it only makes sense in areas that are a little bit more dense because the equipment to do it's a fair bit more expensive. So, mm-hmm. um, uh, but yeah, the plan is to um, to definitely offer gigabit connectivity to a lot of people. Um, and look, like if not that, then you should be able to get a hundred megabit connection. And these are symmetrical connections too. So the big difference with what we're doing is that we're we're not um, so like on most providers, you generally get like a, a quite a decent download rate that they quote you, but your upload rate's pretty poor. Um, yeah. And, and that and actually- that's a, that's a problem for quite a few different users, isn't it? Like, yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, if you're, if you're doing data intensive stuff, it's, it sucks. Like, mate, I remember when you were on, um, you were on a connection where the upload wasn't great. Um, and- We were doing a video call. Yeah. Yeah. And just it's just, a, I was just on a laptop. We were doing a video call. It was crazy. My yeah. whole internet just absolutely just cacked itself. It was horrible. Yeah. Yeah. And even if you want to like upload, like even with us, like trying to upload a podcast, you know, so like our, uh, our audio stream for the podcast to the other person, it takes ages. Um, but, you know, yep. because we own, like because we own and we've got control over the infrastructure all the way back to our servers, mm-hmm. um, we can offer symmetrical connections. And that's what we, that's, that's one of our big points of difference is like, that the the speed you're quoted is a, is the speed you're going to get both upload and download. Um, so that means if I get a hundred meg connection, I get a hundred megabytes. Is, sorry, megabits. Is it megabits or megabytes? Megabits. I get a hundred megabits a second download and a hundred megabits a second upload. That's right. That's crazy because like currently I've, I'm on a fifty megabit plan and I'm fifty megabits down and like five megabits up. Yeah. So good luck streaming nudes of myself live <laughs> across the internet. Yeah, and like, like I mean, I, I, I won't say, best, I, I won't say, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you never know. Um, <laughs> I, like, I won't say that we're not, like, we're, we're not targeting that specific person, but like, Sorry. We're, but yeah. No, but that's okay. But like, <laughs> but there's a lot of people who need that, that we, that we're, we're, you know, we're basically saying we can help you there. Like, and gamers is a big one, right? Like, mm. um, we, mm. we both gamers ourselves, Joe, um, I mean, we did our we did our episode on esports way back, like esports and gaming, and like I think it's like two point five billion people play games now. Uh, lots of people oh, are watching hey. games. Lots of people are playing. Um, and 
upload rates is like one of the most frustrating things as someone who's gaming because it's really hard to um, if someone is using that. Um, mm. That's what'll cap out first, and then you'll yeah. start experiencing lag. Um, yeah. If you're a streamer, uploads what's going to kill you. Um, mm-hmm. It's always like one of the most difficult things. So we really want to be different in that we offer symmetrical speeds. Um, yeah. And the great thing about wireless tech is that we don't have to run cables down every street. You know, we don't yeah, have to don't have to dig holes. Yeah, and, exactly. So yeah. like we can kind of we can kind of say, okay, we're in an area and we're generally in that area, um, yeah. and we can generally get to you. So it um it it just it's just uh, we're trying to be we're trying to build a very modern network with new tech and we're also trying mm-hmm. to be very sensible about how we do it because we just want to get to people as soon as we can you know like we just mm-hmm. want to um we really want to get get out there so more and more people can get the internet they deserve effectively that's what are the like the 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 things that you really want to show capability wise in this network like is there, there's a few different groups that you're trying to target mm. to give good internet to yeah. Tell us more about what your plans are in that direction of like, who are you trying to like, you want internet so good that people can like, uh, that was a terrible question. Talk to me. We've been away from a podcast too long. Hey? No, yeah. hundred percent, mate. No, it's, it's all good. No, it's, it's, it's a, it's a really good question. Um, uh, so I mentioned gaming before. I mean, gaming is one thing that we really want to show that we can, we can, we are an ISP for gamers, right? Like our ISP arm is an ISP for gamers. Um, mm-hmm. Internode, there was a company called Internode in Australia about 15 years ago. They're still operating now, but they got acquired. But about 15 years ago, um, actually probably even a bit earlier, they really came on the map as with like a massive gamer focus. And and, and mm. they, they had a new site they ran. They ran all sorts of servers um, and their connections, they made sure that gamers, you know, would have great connections to things like Valve, right, to Steam, um, mm-hmm. to, you know, um, uh, like what else was being played back then, like uh, Battle.net servers. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, they had like a free zone, which used to be important back then because you used to have data caps. I mean, that's mm-hmm. so that's another thing I should mention. Like there's literally no data caps on our network um, for, our, like, for our fixed wireless. Super silly. You know, that's like something that we just don't want to like, we just want everyone to be able to download as much as they want. So, um, uh, and, but, but back then it mattered, right? Like, and you had these data caps. Um, and so they'd give you all these like kind of like free zones where they'd host things on their own servers as a mirror, uh, mm-hmm. for like steam, for example, like if you needed to download a game from steam and you're on internode, wouldn't cost you any of your data because it'd, it'd be free. Um, mm-hmm. so that was really good. Um, and they, they really went out of their way to serve gamers and, it was a big part of the reason why they became so popular and why, like, I mean, I ran a gaming organization at the time uh, for yeah. about four years and um, and we, all of us, like pretty much every single member without fail was on Internode because that was the gaming ISP. Um, mm. They got acquired, kind of forgot, like, you know, it's still, they're still a great network, but they kind of lost that focus. Um, yeah. And we really want to bring that back because I think that's that's um, definitely someone, that, a, a segment that's being underserved, like gamers aren't being served very well. There's no one really going out of their way to help them. Um, mm-hmm. And so if there's like one thing that I want our network to be really good for, it's gaming. Like I want our connections to be super stable. Uh, I want our our routes to be super quick. And we're taking steps behind the scenes to make sure that we can kind of make those things as quick as we can. Um, but we're also, um, and this is like a, this is kind of like, I guess a bit of a reveal for us because we haven't really talked about this much, but yeah. you know, 
you guys have been with us for like what three years now, been listening to the podcast. So like, <laughs> this is kind of like us kind of revealing something. Um, we're also um, going to be offering uh, the, the first carrier to be sending uh, a net- network connections out over a new cable, uh, new subsea cable from the Sunshine Coast uh, here mm. in Queensland, and that lands in a place called Guam. Um, and we're going to have servers in this in this place called Guam, which is there in the Pacific Ocean. Why is Guam so important? So if you if you pull out a map, like just go on Google Maps, type in Guam, and have a look at where it is. Kind of zoom out a bit and see where it is in the region. Hey, it's just the tiniest dot. On yeah, Google, <laughs> it's, Google it's super tiny. Um, but what it does have is it's got a it's got a number of uh, submarine cables coming into it now, which go to different areas. So um, the the, it, the there's a cable coming down to Sunshine Coast. Uh, mm-hmm. So here in Queensland, there's a cable going to Sydney. There's a cable going up to Tokyo in Japan. There's cables going over to Hong Kong. Philippines, Indonesia, Singapore, mm-hmm. and over to the US as well, over in LA. Even Russia. Even Japan. Russia, yeah, yeah. Like um, that, that is, there's like Vladivostok up there, I think, which um, which which it goes Traps. up to. And so it, it, it lands all over the place. Um, so Guam's kind of had this like spider web of cables going out from it. Now, yeah. it, there's there's um. Something that we'll be releasing soon. I'm not sure if we've actually put it out there, Joe, but it's like a latency We're gonna map. We're going to put it out very short. Oh, no, we haven't put that out yet. Yeah, cool. Okay. Um, so there is a latency. There is another latency map out there, which you should be able to find if you just like Google Guam latency map or something. We'll we'll, we'll find a link for it. Um, mm-hmm. And it shows basically like the different latencies from Guam to these different areas. And It's perfectly placed, isn't it? Yeah, it's like a central – it's like this central point where – Everyone kind of sits between generally about 30 to 60 milliseconds. Um, mm-hmm. And then like you've got LA, which is like 70 or 80 or something. So yeah. like, so everyone is kind of reasonably close, um, mm-hmm. but it's relatively equal as well. So what are, what, what's, what are you guys planning for this? You generally play games just with your... Um, just with your, your, your local area, right? Like Australians, we generally play on Australian servers... Um, Americans plan American servers, uh, you know, Japanese plan Japanese servers, et cetera, et cetera. And one of the big reasons for that is what, like what you were saying is latency, right? Like if I'm an Australian and I want to play with someone in anywhere in Southeast Asia and I'm on the East coast of Australia, particularly my connection has to go from uh, uh, here in Brisbane down to Sydney then mm-hmm. over to Perth, which is like on the other side of the country. Oh, that's a big journey. Yeah. And then like up to, up to Singapore. So it's like, wow. and like that, the latency on that is huge. It's like 200 milliseconds. Yeah. Like it's like 180 like, milliseconds, isn't it? Yeah. It's like massive. And, and the cables had issues recently too. It's like, there's been issues, actually problems with one of the cables going over there. So there's been like congestion issues and. Um, so these are big fat wires under the ocean, right? hundred percent. Yeah, exactly. They are. And they're like not big, in, big and insulated, but like if you've got a ship that comes along and drops anchor in the wrong spot, like there's somewhere <laughs> they don't need, to, they, they're not meant to be. It just cuts it, you know, and then it's it costs millions of dollars because like they've got to get a ship out there to repair the thing, and oh, it's it's mm-hmm. like, and you know, of course, then like everything just goes down, and like it's like, oh, how do we, like, where do we send the data now? Um, mm-hmm. So that's a big issue, um, and that's one of the big reasons why the Australian like esports scene, particularly, there's a lot of issues with people here who want to participate in competitive gaming because they can really only play against Australians unless they go travelling. Now you're in this position where like even the good guys, like the good teams who generally travel all over the world to go to these, um, you know, big competitions held in stadiums, they can't travel anymore, right? Like they, they can't yeah. go to these competitions and no one can hold 
events. No one can hold tournaments. And so you're having these like world championships that are like suddenly regionalized and no one can play against each other. Um, mm. And so you've got this basically like siloed ecosystem at the moment in gaming where everyone kind of only gets to play with other people in their region unless they want to deal with lag. Now, mm. the big difference with this is particularly for like, and I'm talking probably from an Australian perspective, but there's other people that are definitely in this same boat there in Southeast Asia. Um, with, with something like Guam, we can connect up there, um, you know, like around about 50, 60, maybe sometimes 70 milliseconds. Okay. Which is like, which is pretty good. Like when mm. I was playing competitive Counter-Strike back in the day, I had a, like, this is like 15 years ago. Um, it was generally online. Like so you'd have, you would have local events and you'd have to travel to them, but there was a lot of online grinding that you had to do. Um, hmm. My ping was generally 90 to 110. Holy. And so like, and, and, uh, and it was funny, like whenever I'd go to land, I'd just be like, it was like the shackles were removed and I could suddenly <laughs> hit all my shots and it was awesome. Uh. But, um, but uh, yeah, like, so, I, I, but I could still play at that. It's not ideal, but I could still play at that mil, that that millisecond rate. But even like you know, mate, we play Battlefield, and like a lot of the time, our pings are 50, 60 to these servers. Yep, like standard procedure. Yeah, and that's just to in our, in our own country. That's right. Yeah, so it's not it's not like a it's not like a massive deal. Now, if you're playing something like a MOBA, like League of Legends, mm -hmm. um, Dota, um, or you're playing Rocket League, if you're playing something a bit more casual like Fortnite or whatever, you won't even notice that kind of millisecond delay. Um, but what something like Guam lets us do for the first time um, is that we can we can effectively build like a we can have like a meeting point for everyone's connectivity, um, and you can effectively you know you can effectively host servers there um, that um, that have relatively similar latency to about geez like almost a billion people as opposed mm. to like. 20 million here or 25 million here in Australia or like 150 million in Japan or, two, or 200 or like, I mean, even the U S like, you know, generally it's kind of solid into to East and West. And so like, you know, even over there, you, your, your West servers probably only get around a hundred million people in that kind of catchment if everyone was gaming. Um, so instantly if I'm a gaming company company, I can say, okay, um, well, I'm going to put some servers there in Guam and I'm going to be able to hit all these different places and they're all going to be able to connect relatively um, quickly and I won't have to worry about having like low population servers anymore and we'll have a, a far larger player base. If I'm an esports company or I'm something like Twitch or whoever who want to run events, I can suddenly say, well, like we're, we're in this the throes of COVID at the moment. Everyone's locked down. Um, I'm going to run my event out of Guam and I can still hit, you know, like a, a very good portion of – the competitive scene, right? I've got Russia, Japan, China, um, Malaysia, which is massive, Philippines, which is massive, Indone Indonesia, Australia, and the west side of the US, you know, and they can all mm. kind of meet here and no one can really point the finger and be like, you've got a big advantage over me, which is what's been happening. Like uh, it's been happening in a number of different um, scenes where they've been like trying to do these international events. So from a... Um, from a gaming perspective, our international network, the international network side of things um, is, you know, like that. that's effectively going to let us demonstrate that um, the game's kind of changed, excuse the pun, for gaming, right? Mm -hmm. um, and 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 that's, that's also that, like, that's also then going to show everyone else what we can do with this connectivity, this new thing at Guam um, 
what's possible for people to do. So mm. that's like, that's effectively, that's kind of like a, a small piece of the puzzle that we haven't really re- revealed, but mm. um, we've got an, we've got an international network now that's all kind of centered around Guam. And so users on our network are going to be able to access that, but we've also got um, an arm of what we're doing um, and the website will be up pretty soon. Uh, and Joe's been like cooking it up um, behind the scenes that's you know if you're if you're a gaming company or if you're someone that even just wants to host servers, you're going to be able to jump on and very quickly have a server provision there in Guam and be able to hit you know like a billion plus people with really good latency. That sounds awesome. In relation to this company, where are you? Uh, oh, I'm the I'm the CEO. You're the CEO. <laughs> Honestly, I couldn't think of a better person to be running this company. He's a lawyer. He's got really good chops doing all this legal stuff and honestly like getting into the telco business is not like there it's a cartel for a reason hey mm, mm, yeah it, it's 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 hyper regulated and hyper um insular i guess you'd say like it's very very hard to break in um how many pages do you reckon you've read in the last <sighs> last year Oh mate! Oh look, I, like so. My like g- generally, I, I'm at least reading one contract every day. Um, generally, pulling up legislation every other day. There's there's all sorts of different codes. I think we've got about six or seven self regulators in the industry, plus the actual reg- government regulators on top. Um, it's not for the faint of heart. And like, there's a reason why no, <laughs> there's a reason why not many people are doing what we're doing. Like, it's it's um it's you like if you were paying a lawyer to do this, like if I was charging one code for what I was doing, we'd be broke. Like, we'd Whoa. go out of business because That's there is so much legal work. Like, it is yeah. it is um it is hyper regulated, and because we're we're operating across uh, telecommunications law and radio communications law, we've almost been hit with like a double whammy again too because <laughs> like. They're very different areas. Um, they've all got their own structures, and uh, yeah. So, um, so like I think um, I definitely didn't realize. I knew it was a very highly regulated area. Probably didn't realize just how highly regulated it was. Um, and you know, the, and and that's kind. Of, I think that's kind of helped the status quo remain the status quo for so long. Like mm. there's there's a reason there's not many challenges in this industry, and it's because it is very hard to break in and you have to have a hyper competent team, which, you know, fortunately we have, like we've got a, got a team um, that just really believe in what we're doing and want to change things and just want to kind of give everyone a fair go. Um, but yeah, mate, it's a, it's a tall task, you know, Crazy. and, and, uh, but I'm having fun. Like it's, it's been absolutely fun. We're, we're, we're like on the cusp of really launching all our product offerings now. Um, you've been working like a mad beaver behind the scenes, mate. Like just, Getting, getting like everything down on paper, like all that, all that different website assets and 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 marketing marketing plans and um, the many different like even just you know simple things like our our behind the scenes portals, um, mm. the, the the things with the market the material we send to people to communicate what we're actually doing. Um, there's just so much that goes into it, um, and because we're trying to offer it end to end, I think that's that's kind of the difference between what we're doing and a lot of other people is where we're kind of operating across a few of the different verticals. You don't pick easy challenges, hey? <laughs> well, and it's, look, it's not an easy problem to solve. Like mm. um, the, the imp- internet is, the one thing I'll say is like the internet is so much more complex than you think. 
Mm-hmm. Um, it is. It is. There is just so much more that goes into it behind the, th- the scenes that I don't think I even appreciated um, anywhere near as much as I do now. Um, to get you know, even mate, we're we're sitting here talking on a server that we've spun up somewhere, running like an open source chat program, um, and you know, like we're while we're looking at like a cloud document. To, to do those things, like mm. there's so much that needs to happen behind the scenes to even get that achieved. I think the other thing to say is too, is that everything we talk about on this show, like all the cool tech, mm-hmm. um, all the amazing innovations, all the things we say are coming, they all rely on internet. Like yeah. it's all happening on the internet. Like the VR, the, the, the cloud gaming, We're talking about progressive web apps. We're talking about, you know, streaming in 4K, 16K footage is incoming. So mm. over to you, mate. Oh, no, that's that's exactly right. Like the data requirements are only increasing um, and our appetite for data is only increasing and we need to be preparing for the next 10 or 20 years. You know, like it's, it's not good enough that we just say, oh, we're kind of just meeting data requirements now because if you look at data requirements today compared to 10 years ago, oh. I, pr- I think they've more than doubled. Like I'm pretty mm. sure it's it's like actually been a bit exponential and there's nothing that I'm seeing that's telling me that that's going to stop. Like um, I'm watching – like I watch 1080p streams now on my uh, 1440p monitor and I'm like, why is this so blurry? Like why doesn't this <laughs> – this looks like crap, man. Like – I mean, YouTube is starting to do 4K things. I'm sure Twitch is going to start to mm. upgrade streamers mm. to that soon. Um, and 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 like we talk about VR, like once VR actually like gets a bit of market dominance, oh. just you wait, man. Like it's holy crap, be crazy. Plus cloud gaming too. And I, I guess like one thing we didn't actually talk about is like what we're the, the other thing, the other key ingredient for our last mile stuff is that generally wherever we're dropping a primary tower, like something to serve the customers. We're also dropping what we call like a micro data center. So Ooh. we're going to have a little data center that's like <laughs> that's a real like, giveaway, yeah. Yeah, well, like it's and it's like um, it's it's nothing. Um, it's like it's nothing flash, and it's it's like not designed to be these crazy things you see in the cities, but it's designed to get data closer to the users, and that's all going to be on a network. And that's because you know, mate, you and me talk about this stuff all the time. Like we know that VR is coming. We know mm. that cloud gaming is coming. I mean, the big thing that stopped cloud gaming is they can't get close enough. Like everything's trying to go back to these central locations. Um, and so we're standing back um, and we, like we get, the, we get the advantage that we don't have all this technical debt, right? Like we, when we're a new telco, um, a new tech company, we, we basically can look at this and sit here and go, if I was to start today, how would I build this for the next 20 years? Yeah. And that's effectively what we've done. We've sat down and we said, okay, well, we know that we need to get data closer to the user, so we'll do that. We know people are going to need more, so we'll do that. We know that people are becoming more internationally connected and more jobs, particularly with what's going on at the moment, are going to need good international connectivity. So mm-hmm. let's nail that as well. Yeah. Um, and we know that all the enterprise enterprises and companies and ISPs they're all going to need that as well. So let's let's offer that connectivity to to everyone else that needs it too. Um, and we're, we're kind of like approaching this thing from a next 20, 10 to twenty years perspective. Um, and that's I think what you know like that, that's what we need to do because yeah, like once all this other stuff kicks in, um, it's going to be a very data hungry society that we have. Hundred percent, man. That's awesome. That's a that's a super secret project. Uh, not so secret anymore. 
Um, <laughs> solving the last mile, international connectivity, stuff for gamers, servers real close to people's houses. You're a madman. Yeah. No, mate, we're giving it a good crack. You know, like that's what we're doing. And like, we, you know, we want everyone involved in this. Like, honestly, um, if, you know, like if, if, you, if you like the sound of that, particularly if, you, if you're in the areas where we initially are, like reach out to us. Um, if you think, you know, people that are going to benefit from it, reach out to us. Like where- Oh, yeah. Where, where are we initially? Yeah, good question. So we are, um, we are deploying at the moment in the Sunshine Coast, which is where the cable landing station is. Um, and we're also deploying in North Brisbane, um, which is the city that, you know, we've, um, we, we've lived in. Near um, and dear. Uh, yeah, very near and dear to our hearts. Um, and that's, uh, and, and like, as we will expand out from there. So like, we'll be covering more and more of Brisbane, more and more of the Sunshine Coast. We'll eventually move down to the Gold Coast. And then from there, we're going to, you know, effectively keep going and moving out. But um, over the world. Job exactly. done. Exactly. Yeah. Nice. DeFi. What is yeah, DeFi? Yeah, so, so exactly? like, well, well, I was about to ask you the same thing. Like, what, what is, like, talk to me about DeFi because I feel like I'm just like, I feel so out of the loop with DeFi. It's kind of come from nowhere. I feel exactly the same. You know, Coinbase put it really nicely. They, 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 they paid a poet to write some text for them. And they said, imagine, imagine a global open alternative to every financial service you use today accessible with little more than a smartphone and internet connection. So what financial service, what's that like banks, loans, credit cards, um, shares. I've run out of things that I use financial services for payments. Yeah. Yeah, um, That's what else. The big idea. There was a really great write up from Ainsley Bullion they did a great write-up and they said that DeFi refers to financial services that are built on public blockchains, mostly the Ethereum blockchain, and they're based on open protocols and decentralized applications, dApps, allowing all aspects of the platform to be automated and performed without a central authority or intermediary. That's quite a big Mm. sentence. Any financial service you want but there's no central authority. There's no intermediary. There's no government in the way. There's no person saying you have to do this or that. It's you and the person that you want to trade with in direct, almost basically direct contact in a way. Yeah. Like, so effectively the, the, um, the platform is the central authority and, and, and what, what is changing is that, it's peer to peer. Yeah. Like it's effectively going from one person to another without, you know, anyone setting the rules except the two people that actually want to do it. Yeah. That, yeah. that has so many interesting use cases. I mean, like you, you think about like, I, I think this is pretty cool in some ways because I think the less that you have the government telling you how you can and cannot behave – uh, my personal ideological opinion is that's a bit weird when someone says, hold on, you can't quite say that or you can't quite- For your own protection. Yeah. But like you imagine like eBay <laughs> or Gumtree or something like that, just being able to decide, okay, I want to sell something and you sell it and you interact directly with the buyer, there's nothing mm. in between it. I think that's kind of mm. cool in a way. Mm. Like it's the way it used to be. Oh, yeah. Just you and someone else. Yeah. Making a- 
Make it a doing a transaction. Doing a transaction. Mm-hmm. Speaking of transactions, what are some mm-hmm. of the big use cases of decentralized finance? Yeah, so the big things that are kind of merging on the platform are like automated exchanges, yeah. which is, you know, like we've, we've talked about, um, I remember we talked about that way back, Joe, mm. um, you know, like the decentralized exchanges and the DEXs, I think they were called. Mm. Um, uh, lending is another big yeah. one. Prediction markets. So, um, oh, what was that one? Augur? Yeah, Augur, Augur way yeah, back in the day. Around, yeah, yeah. Yep. Um, synthetic assets, so like things that are effectively- Yeah, virtual um, gold tokens or silver tokens yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, you know, like to- you know, tokenized USD and stuff as well. Um, <laughs> Pointless. Anyway, sorry, go on. Um, <laughs> yep. Um, uh, so insurance is another thing that is That's kind of- That's real bleeding edge, there. yeah. Yeah, yeah, which I'm just like, the more I'm like read about it, the more I just want to kind of dig in and actually find out how it all works because mm. um, like payments obviously is the other one that- everyone's using it for but like the, the two that really stick out to me are insurance and lending yeah you know, because yeah. they're like where you the counter like the counterparty is carrying a lot of risk mm-hmm. and um and generally you're kind of banking on you know for insurance you're banking on the insurer being good for it mm-hmm. um and for lending you're banking on the uh person you know receiving the money being good to pay it back What I find really interesting is that how, like, you remember back in 2016, any blockchain platform was super freaking ugly. Like, it was, it was, it was an abomination of design. There was no typography, no white spacing, no letter spacing, no nothing. If there was a logo, you were in luck. And that was kind of one of the big things we said was like a big blocker, wasn't it? That like the UX just sucked. Yeah, like like how can you expect your grandma to take out a decentralized loan when when you have to understand, you know, basic particle physics to be able to complete the transaction? 100%. Mm. And and now like this stuff looks super sexy. Like we've had a few years for the developers to kind of like they've built the base level stuff and now we've got a whole bunch of, you know, new people coming in and kind of they've kind of had time to make things look a bit better yeah. ask some you know ux questions and i mean this defi pulse website even that you've got up just looks amazing yeah it looks really nice have you seen the stats the of, of the money that is locked in to uh decentralized finance at the moment yeah it, it is it is nuts like i had no idea there was this much 8.62 billion <laughs> crazy like, what's the current market cap of Bitcoin? Hang on, let me let me just Bitcoin market cap. Let me just look this up right now. It's been crazy, man. Like, I, I remember, like, uh, Pav was putting it in chat. He's like, are you guys talking about decentralized finance? Like, I've seen all these different projects taking off. Honestly, I feel like an old man. You know, like, mm. when someone's telling you about email and you're, like, still... Still like licking your envelope. <laughs> we used to be so up on these trends too, didn't we? You know, like I feel oh, like we man. used to know what was going on, but yeah, like you start I an mean, internet company and suddenly you turn into a dinosaur. <laughs> hey, <laughs> I mean that's like it's like it's it's what like one twenty one twenty second or twenty twenty third. Like it's it's like Bitcoin market cap at the moment is two hundred billion. Good around about. Yeah. So like there's nearly one twentieth of the Bitcoin market cap locked up in DeFi mm. and it's and the theory market cap is 40 billion so what it's like a a fifth really um that's a decent chunk Ethereum. Yeah. that's huge yeah. 
So that's huge. So, yeah, people are going into lending. They're going into all these types of random things. And as much as I'm like, this is crazy. Like there, like check, like have a listen to some of these random headlines from the last couple of weeks. The first one is uh, DeFi meme coin hot dog dumps, not pumps, <laughs> 99 percent in hours after launch. Another headline: DeFi will outperform Bitcoin in the next five years. That was Pantera Capital CEO Dan Moorhead. Yeah, and Bakery Swap DeFi platform shuns Ethereum launches on Binance Smart Chain. You see, I would forgive you for having absolutely zero idea of what they're talking about. Like, they're calling a Bakery Swap because you, you you remember that Sushi Swap thing? Sushi Swap was like a copy of. Wasn't it like Uniswap or something like that? Yeah, um, that's right. And it was like a, it was like an exchange of some type. Yeah, and we're all also running out of knowledge here, but it's just. It's Click cool. on the link for that one though, like because the the, it art, looks the artwork for this thing is wild. It looks like, really good. Like people are making it way easier to interact, and now you're having, you know, tough economic times, so people yeah. are. You know, people are out there saying, okay, well, I can't make money off the bank and I can't make money off investors. Yeah. yeah. So let's let's put some money in decentralized finance. And mm. I got to say, like getting rid of central powers in economic transactions seems real yes. cool. And yes. that's kind of what DeFi does. Like right now, it's like massive crazy. I honestly, I don't understand half of it, but I think the big picture Getting rid of Banky McBankerface and his friends, I don't think that's a bad idea. I don't know about you. No, I, I, I think it's, I think it's a great idea, mate. Like at the, at the end of the day, like I'm sure there'll be other systems that come up around this, but if it trends more towards the, you know, user to user transactions, I'm, I'm all for it, mate. Mm. Like I'm completely all for it. Yes, it's probably going to be a bit messy, but so are all innovations and i think like so much of the world is trending more towards control at the moment mm -hmm. it's actually just really nice to see something which is kind of doing the opposite like people are kind of reacting to it and being like well stuff it like you know the financial system is still working the same way it was 10 years ago yeah. when everything went to crap yeah um let's give this DeFi thing a crack like and imagine see what get still getting post from your bank like yeah that <laughs> <laughs> we just moved and I literally got my first letter today and yeah. I was like, who found me? I was like, who found me? And it was actually just like Australia Post telling me, like I set up like a mail redirect yeah. and it was actually just them telling me that my redirect had happened. But I was like, <laughs> you guys have my email. Like, why didn't you just email this to me? But, you know, I guess they're a postal company so you can kind of, yeah, you can kind of excuse them. Let's talk about some tech news. What kind of, like, we've missed out on a bunch of headlines. There's a lot of tech headlines. We can skirt over a lot of them. Let's talk about a few of them. What have we seen happening in the tech industry in the last few months? Uh, yeah, so first bit of news. Um, transparent solar panels for Windows have hit a record 8% efficiency. Yeah, it was a team from, like, I think it was one of these universities in America somewhere. They, they achieved, uh, I think it was... I'm not going to guess the university. Anyway, they achieved 8.1% efficiency and 43.3% transparency with an organic or carbon-based design rather than conventional silicon, aka a window that you can see 
50% through, which is pretty good for a window mm. that also collects electricity. And you think if you took a skyscraper and the windows were just slightly reflective, that's exactly yeah. what you're talking about. Like you could wow. make a like a big effing solar farm that's like 80 floors high and it, like if you're inside, it feels like you're looking out through sunglasses. That's amazing, mate. Like that sounds incredible. Like yeah. I, 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 like, I guess – you know, now is we've probably got like a viable reason to build an actual glass house. Someone will look at this and go, I'm just going to make my whole house out of it then. Yeah. Just don't throw you know? stones. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's amazing. Like, I mean, because I, I think like everyone at the moment is really looking for ways to stop paying so much for power and like get more solar, mm. um, solar efficiency, kind of like feed their own power needs mm. and- if they can, you know, add, now add their windows to what they put on the roof, that's going to be incredible. And then, yeah. like you say, you know, it's, um, things like skyscrapers are perfectly set up for that. So mm. that's cool. Absolutely. Next headline: Aptricity. App. Aptricity is a company name. They're beave, they've managed to beam Bluetooth signals over thirty kilometers. Bluetooth alternative to Wi-Fi. Um, the, the the key new wrinkle, according to their CEO, is basically the precise tuning of the Bluetooth spectrum, like within that spectrum, essentially like using the same principle as tightly focused laser beams, they're able to get Bluetooth to go 30 kilometers. Which and is incredible. If you're a farmer and you have all of your cows with a Bluetooth tag or pigs or sheep or whatever you're tagging, that's cool. Yeah, no, that's that's really cool because of Bluetooth, you know, generally like a lot of low power devices, you know, you don't have a huge amount of range on on transmitters like that. But if you're setting up, if you're if you've got like a big property or like a big mine or something, um, this could be perfect for keeping you know connectivity between. I'm not sure, like, there's probably not a lot of data um, that can be sent over it. I haven't looked that deeply into it, but like for your low data needs, like things that just need to keep. Um, uh, keep talking to each other and keep tracking things. Mm. That should actually be like really viable, and it's probably a lot cheaper than solutions like LTE and satellite, which get rolled out in a lot of these areas. Um, you know, if if you like Bluetooth is effectively just something that you can just hook up on your own. So mm. yeah, that's um that's really cool. Yeah. What's the what's the next headline in our, in our news? So, uh, electricity beamed to homes could do away with wire transmission cables. Yeah, there's this company in New Zealand. Uh, it's called MROD. They've developed this system which converts electricity into electromagnetic waves and they can be sent wirelessly to receivers to be converted back into electricity for use in homes and businesses. The idea is that you'd have to have line of sight between these receivers but they could like power could be transmitted wirelessly depending on the size of the antenna and receiver. Um, but this idea is that you could eventually have like some powerful type of lasers, lasers in the future, and send electricity without the need for those big wires. Yeah, and they've said that the technology isn't new. It's been around for de a few decades. I actually said that about fifty years ago, 
NASA kept a helicopter drone in the air with a beam of energy yeah. from the ground. Yeah. Which, um, and I remember even t- like Nikola Tesla was doing a fair bit with wireless power back in the day too, wasn't mm. he? Like looking into it and mm. you know saying that it definitely is possible. Um, but like it's it, it just like it, it's 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 again like something that's wild. Like I think we think about power and we think it has to come through wires, but um, everything is conductive in the right in the right environment. You've just got to transmit things a certain way. Crazy. Next piece of news, a remotely operated robot has taken a straight razor to the face of this brave roboticist. Essentially, some some chap, poor guy, he uh, he allowed a robot to shave his face and uh, nope. he, he survived, uh, funnily enough. Nope, um, nope, nope. nope. Well, you've got a massive beard, so that's fair enough. Uh, <laughs> yeah, this, uh, yeah, John John Peter Whitney uh, survived. Yeah, good. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking at the video right now, actually, and it's actually pretty, pretty amazing, isn't it? Mm. Robots just there shaving him. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah, uh, but maybe, like, maybe in the future, mate. I mean, you know, this is something that we've talked about before, but like. You know, maybe there might be automated barbers set up in the not too near future, and you just kind of Whoa. walk into a little kiosk and press the press the type of cut you want and the type of shave you want, and away you go. Job done. Stay yeah. stay very still. Yeah, <laughs> don't move. <laughs> uh. the, the really big piece that we're going to end on the tech news is Nvidia bought ARM, the chip manufacturer. Um, now that is the biggest chip deal in history. Uh, you know, bigger than any other acquisition in the you know the the, the chip space. Uh, uh, Nvidia bought ARM from, which is a chip manufacturer from SoftBank for around forty billion dollars in stock and cash. Uh, and Nvidia's stock price is quite high at the moment relative to the earnings that Nvidia makes. So. There's a great article that uh, Ben Thompson wrote in Stra- uh, Stratechery, uh, really worth reading if you want mm. to get the real details of why this is a great deal for NVIDIA. Essentially, mm. NVIDIA's stock price was super high, which is good because it meant it was valuable. They could then buy ARM, who make really small chips for basically every phone on the planet because mm. – Back in the day, Intel uh, was go- facing off against ARM. ARM was making really high efficiency chips. Intel was making really high performance chips. High performance was terrible on battery, so ARM won. So now ARM are in basically every mobile phone on the planet and yep. most other chips. NVIDIA just bought them. And the reason that Ben was saying that they bought ARM was because of AI, really like quick processing on small processes and the idea that you know, the whole future is going to be artificial intelligence taking data from these devices, sending them back somewhere else and just you know processing AI on the edge right where the user is all the way to the data centers. Mm. This is what this deal is all about and it's a really great piece. I recommend reading it because... There's a lot of detail there, but it really makes sense of why this is a $40 billion deal. Yep. Yep. Like their, their market position is just like, I feel like they've been in, like almost in stealth while they've still been out in the open, but like 
no one has really come to terms with just how how big arms market penetration is and just how many devices they're in um, because they don't get the headlines. They, they're doing all, they're doing the, like you say, the efficient stuff. They're not doing the performance stuff. Um, and I think the problem is now, I think a, a, a lot of the reason why this move has been made as well is that like NVIDIA has been watching what's happened to Intel, right? Intel mm. banked really heavily on the performance stuff, thought they'd won it <clears throat> and then didn't kind of ease back on the R&D and just took their profits and then, in came AMD from like nowhere with a new CEO and like very quickly have kind of like pulled the rung out, rug out mm. from under AMD, uh, Intel, beat them at their own game. And now like now the market's starting to shift. Like a lot of these Intel contracts are running out. Everyone's moving over to AMD because like there's just no reason not to. Like the processes are just better. Mm. Um, and NVIDIA has probably been looking at that and going, well, if someone can do it to Intel – like maybe someone could possibly do it to us as well. I mean, we, we have graphics cornered at the moment, but I mean, AMD have been kicking goals with both feet. I'm really interested to see what com- what happens with their graphics cards when yeah. they come out. Because um, there was a recent announcement from NVIDIA, wasn't there? Yeah, yeah. They just they just announced kind of their new gen stuff um, and it's really good. Like it looks really nice, but I think we'll see. But like the, the advantage AMD have is that they've, They've kind of cracked the everything they're doing is a lot smaller, so they can fit a lot more on these boards. Mm-hmm. Um, and they've got some really cool stuff in the works as well. So um, Nvidia is probably in a point where they're like, "Well, we, we've got market dominance at the moment. Let's not do what Intel did and rest on our laurels, but let's effectively add that other arm." <laughs> like, it's like, excuse the pun, but like, let's like let's add that other arm to our business, similar to what AMD have. Intel don't really have it. Like they do, they kind of have an onboard graphics thing going on, but like, you know, they've kind of locked in on the CPU market. Mm-hmm. Whereas NVIDIA is a super smart acquisition because ARM's on the upswing as well. Um, now, like- There's a lot of licensing at play as well. Yeah. And I was just about to say like the one kind of, uh, the one Black Swan event, which was well, not a Black Swan event, but like the one concern for ARM is that like they're-, they're they're, a lot of their profits hinge very heavily on that licensing, and there's another like open standard called Risk. I think it's called uh, it Risk Five. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly um, Risk Five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they um they like that's been kind of percolating away in the background for a fair while. I know a lot of people in the Linux community are like yeah. super high on Risk Five. That's a really good point because right now, if you're if you're making devices, yeah, you know, you've got to pay ARM, who is now owned by Nvidia. Mm. you got to pay them a license fee to use their ARM technology, which is like a language, like a basic language for communicating with a processor. Mm. But this RISC-V framework, is it a framework? Yeah, it's it's basically a framework. Completely open source, so it doesn't cost you. So all you need is a processor that's built that can accommodate RISC-V. Am I right in yep. saying that? Yeah, it's like built. They're built to standards, effectively. Like they're just mm. built to the Risk Five standard, and then you're yeah. good. Yeah, right? yeah. That's it's going to be interesting because Nvidia is sort of winning in a way because they're getting a lot of good intellectual property from ARM. Yeah, but in another way, there's going to be more competition from this Risk. Yeah, that's going to be fascinating to watch because, like, you've got like. You know, open standards in hardware are always really interesting because there's so much development work that needs to go into building a lot of that. So it's kind of like a balance, right? Like the reason everyone uses, um, uh, what am I, what, what am I thinking of, of what's, what's the chips that everyone uses in Wi-Fi stuff? Um, um, 
Broadcom. Oh, yeah. The reason everyone uses Broadcom stuff is because they just build such good gear and they open just enough of it up Mm. to kind of disincentivize people from trying to do their own stuff. So, yeah, I think if um, NVIDIA may look at ARM and go, well, we need to come up with a licensing structure that's going to work for this and then let's pump a whole bunch of R&D dollars into this to make sure that we stay ahead of RISC-5. So, Mm. Interesting. Do you know someone who might enjoy this? Please feel free to share it with them. You can find us at FOMO.show. You can jump on our Telegram at FOMO.show slash Telegram. You can follow us on YouTube at FOMO.show forward slash YouTube. That's it for us here at the FOMO Show. Thank you so much for joining us. If you like our show, why not leave us a rating in your podcast player or subscribe in your app of choice or via our YouTube channel. I'm Matt. And I'm Joe. And as always, remember... It's been way too long. Oh, mate, since it we've has. Done one of these. It has. It has. Yeah. I feel like we just had like we had more to get out than we normally would. So yeah, yeah, yeah. it has. What, what are you sipping on there? Oh, mate, this is uh, this is Tasmanian whiskey. Um, mm-hmm. so it's from down the bottom of Australia. Um, and it's called Lark. It is really nice. Like the um, I got it from the whiskey club. Oh. Um, and the whiskey club, they uh, they like send you a whiskey every month, and like mm. you can opt in or opt out. And anyway, this one um, came in like this flask shaped bottle. So most whiskeys come in like, well, I don't know how to explain it other than like a whiskey shaped <laughs> bottle. Yeah, <laughs> um, but this came, yeah, look, look, it looks like a big flask, like a massive flask. Um, and uh, yeah, they did like one after another. It's like two single barrel. Um, Additions, so like Ooh. they'd put on, that didn't actually have a year on it, but like you know, let's say 10 years ago, they put a whole bunch of their whiskey into like single barrels that they've got from different places. Mm-hmm. Um, and this one is from a uh, a sherry, sherry cask, so it's really nice. What a treat, yeah. What are you drinking? Well, um, I bought a bottle of uh, rum for somebody uh, as an uh, as an apology, and then I cracked into it. So, uh, <laughs> not so sorry, am I? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, it's uh, one of those crackens. So uh, simple, effective. Kraken, I like. It's crackin'. it's a tasty tasty beverage. Kraken is good. Yeah, yeah. it's like spiced rum. Mm. Yeah, I can yeah. I can get around that. I've got like a Captain Morgan, Captain Morgan. Oh, yeah. In, yeah, in, in amongst all the whiskey mm. up there, there's a Captain Morgan I got in Japan. Ooh. Um, it's like a private stock. Um, nice. I found it in some random Japanese place and it like didn't even, wasn't even that expensive. And then I was like, oh, this looks cool. Bought it, got home and looked it up. And it's like, like you can only really buy it in certain places and mm. it almost tastes as good as whiskey. Like it's, yeah, really nice. Just wondering about this person you were apologising to, like you're sending them something else, or oh yeah, I'm gonna get, <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna, buy, I'll buy another bottle and then I'll get it to him. Uh, but yeah. Okay. <laughs>
what are your thoughts? Do you think we're going to be putting out an episode every two weeks or do you think it's going to be more like once monthly? Um, oh, mate. Like I think I think once monthly is, oh, yeah, it's probably like a better, safer option. Like the optimistic part of me is like two, nah, we can do two weeks. We can do it every two weeks. Two weeks spins around really quickly. It does. It uh, does. So Particularly we're if we're go- editing, mate. Like because like, mm. you'll – You'll probably you know, edit this like sometime in the next few days and then it's almost like a week's gone by and then like it, suddenly it's coming up again. And then we've got to record and you're like, oh, I didn't even get a day off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So um, no, like, if you're happy with that, like, like if we at least until – if we have someone to edit for us, it may be a bit easier. Mm. Um, mm. But – yeah, mate. Like we, I think just at least where we're at at the moment. Yeah, we're we're going real hard at the moment. So yeah, yeah I reckon we're going to track back to a, every month. It's a yep. monthly podcast for the time being, and we'll we'll be back. Um, but yeah, when we talk, we're going to make sure we put in a proper show for everyone. So yeah, hundred percent. Shout out to Nikolai, <laughs> by the way. Здравствуйте, comrade. And they're based on open protocols and decentralizations. Ugh. Ooh. Oh, my days. That's embarrassing. So many buzzwords. Let me just uh, go back and start that again. Back now at 56 pass. I wasn't prepared to translate that as I was doing that little tease. Oh, that's That right. little mark with the A and then the ring around it. At? See, that's what I said. Mm-hmm. Um, Katie said she thought it was about. Yeah. Oh. But I'd never heard it. I'd never heard it said. I'd always seen the mark, but never heard it said. And then it sounded stupid when I said it. Violence at NBC. (coughs) I I heard it around the lunchroom. See, there it is. Violence at NBC. GE com. I mean, well, Allison should know. What what is internet anyway? 